0: anything's possible though because you know bitcoin is money so you know money talk man welcome to the
1: bitcoin podcast powered by coin telegraph what began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem as citizens of the internet we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community, and adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey everybody! Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number ninety-one. I'm your first host, Marcello. and I'm host number three, Corey. D is not here today;
2: he is off being busy. He's he's uh, relaxing. So I uh, guess. let's uh, let's hop in. <laughs> let's hop into them sweet, sweet, sweet endorsements.
1: Sure. Um, if you've been wanting to use escrow for a little bit, I got something for you. It's called escrowmybits.com. It's super easy. I'm going to tell you all about it. All you got to do is register and deposit your Bitcoin. Seller ships the item. Buyer checks the goods and releases the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. Right? So no matter where you are in the world, uh, they got you covered. So if you're in, you know, Chicago or Vietnam, they got you. Uh, they charge a flat escrow fee of 1% on all the transactions. And uh, they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So, Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. It's our favorite. We use it. We love it. And their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible, which I think that they've they've done that. Uh, So, go to that website and uh, make sure you sign up for that newsletter. And you can escrow your shit with escrowmybits.com. And uh, shout out to Cedar Hill. We're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin, uh, the most trusted name of Bitcoin ATMs. Uh, they're located in uh, Houston, Fort Worth, Dallas. You know We're in, we're in Texas Just uh, well, for the next week. I think they're we're all over the Texas. map. But they have a lot in yeah. Texas. They're all over the place. So download the, the Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play. Uh, for specific locations and more information, visit athenabitcoin.com. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, bitquick.co. It's the secure quick and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace. Get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. Bitquick has been serving Bitcoiners for almost four years, man. Um, They know what they're doing. So where there's a bank, there's Bitquick. Today on the show, Corey, um, we got the ExoFear Academy guys back on there. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, uh, see, I'm gonna butcher this. Pedra Branca, Santa Catarina, Brazil. Uh, have you been there? That's where not. the Academy of plays. I have not. Have you heard? Like, is it beautiful?
2: Kind of unit, that's. I think that's more central. I don't know. I forget where that place is in Brazil, but uh, I have not been there. I stayed pretty pretty close to São Paulo. Mm. I mean, if you want about- to they're planning on making it in Florinopolis I believe. Is that closer to central? Uh, That's south, and it's beautiful from what I've been told.
1: Yeah, so you can either just like read white pages in your room, or you can go to these beautiful Brazil lakes and join an eight-week residential program and learn about it there. If
2: I'm not mistaken, I believe Florinopolis is on the beach. It should be by the beach. And if they go during the non-incredible winter months, then it's
1: going to be just stupid beautiful. I think that's... um... just looking through the website it seems to be the appeal
2: i have heard and this is from most friends in sao paulo that everyone is gay in florinopolis all men are gay in florinopolis so if you are a decent looking man if you're not a troll lord you will have a very good chance with ridiculously good looking women because they can't find a man there because every man is gay and this is this has been told to me by not just one source, but quite a few sources, which I find to be pretty funny. So uh, it, I, was, I was told it's a really good place to have a man trip because you're going to be flocked by beautiful women because they're just dying to find a non-gay man. Hmm. So developers That's, uh... <laughs> looking for a super hot Brazilian woman. Trust me, all the stereotypes are true. I was surprised by it. You should go down there, learn some Ethereum, learn some Bitcoin, and find yourself a Brazilian honey.
1: But well, if you're going to an Ethereum boot camp, chances are you're a nerd. Do you need game to pick up these women, or do you just say no, I am no, not you gay? Just,
2: you say I am not gay. That's essentially all your only pickup line. Uh, don't get me I wrong. I just feel like I this should be no, the first bullet
0: point on the website. <laughs>
2: I have I have no problem with gay men. I just think it's hilarious that this is the first thing that was told to me. And this this like this dating opportunity that was presented to me if I was a bachelor. There's a lot of bachelors out there thinking about going to Ether.Camp, or sorry the the, uh, the Exosphere, you should go. <laughs> you should give it a shot. I yeah, like the program do. by itself, but just that value add-on, if you will, is, uh, is a pretty good, interesting bullet point you should, you should try and test out. All
1: right, this is completely unrelated, but Florinopolis is next to Uruguay. How do women from Uruguay look? Are they I have beautiful? No idea.
2: I have no idea. It's the same temperament and climate. And the same gene pool, so I would imagine uh, very similar. They all have that olive yeah. skin.
1: Regardless, regardless, Brazil's huge. Florianopolis is on the coast. Um. You hey, listen here, okay? If you're ready to apply for the academy, and you're not sure, um, we've had these guys on twice. It's going to give you an opportunity to have an international network. And as Corey's finding out now, he got a job within weeks coming to the states and i think that has i think that has something to do with uh he moved to brazil so he could be challenged so he could explore the world he wanted his work to have meaning but more importantly he has an international network and um you know when we started this podcast we didn't think that it would have any weight in gold on the professional side but it's been uh very fruitful for him so
2: Oh, It's been definitely been fruitful for me and another part of it is that you go to these meetups and you meet real people and you meet all different walks of life. and we've talked about this before you want to see the problems that you're thinking about and talk about your these you know these, these programs you're trying to make or solutions you're trying to create for certain problems and you want to pitch it to other people or discuss it with other people and they're going to give you different opinions that you can't get in your own little you know your own little circle of people that you know wherever you live and where you keep yourself. By going to these things, you expose these ideas to a lot of different lenses of or like walks of life that can give you real good perspective on what you're doing and what you may be doing wrong or what you may be nailing right on the head. So these things are very valuable. Getting getting and meeting talking to real people from different places around the world that you're not going to have exposure to and and where you typically stay.
1: Well, I'm glad you said value. So it's designed to get the maximum value in the shortest amount of time. It's going to cost you 5 grand. All right. Um, there's does a limited be- number of scholarships, but it's going to cost you about 5 grand. Does that include like plane ticket? Um No. It does include housing though. Mm, that's pretty big. Do you think that that is uh, a a good inv- a cheap investment compared to what you get?
2: Yes, I do because uh, you can waste a lot of time. This has been like as in my in my personal experience. I'm the type, I'm the type of guy that always wants to just figure it out myself. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'll just YouTube it, go on the internet, whatever. And but if, learning Ethereum has been uh, like developing Ethereum programs has been kind of frustrating because of the way the developer atmosphere is being built. It's moving so fast and everyone's trying to create the next platform to make it so easy for develop developers that it's, it's everything gets outdated so fast. The, you know, the IDEs, whatever development environment you're trying to use to create these things, the devoc- documentation changes so fast. So you start working through one line of tutorial or instruction, on how to do something. And it's, by the time you get to halfway through, you realize it's outdated and they've changed the whole platform because they revamped it to a better new system or it's, it's impossible to just get started almost and once you get started you're like all right that took you know a while what do i do now if you go into these types of programs they they will line it out the environment is taken care of and that you can of course use whatever environment you want but you don't have to worry about all this stupid minutia of like how do I do these simple tasks? Those answers are already taken care of and you can start to like really get down to the, the questions of building whatever cool new idea you're trying to have without being bogged down by stupid side projects that just allow you to start asking questions.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, if I break down the $5,000, you know, total cost, it's only $19 an hour. If you're going to get a job space, you're going to make more than $19 an hour. So, and and it's only eight weeks long and you're going, what, 30 hours per week and the other average, you know, private like universities, you're only going to be working 15 hours a week for 14 weeks. And if I'm somewhere abroad and I'm paying for housing, I want to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. So, yeah, on top of that, the
2: food is stupid good. So, I, I, I can't, I can't stress how much Brazil is awesome. And how much i really enjoy the atmosphere the people the culture and to then be able to learn these types of things that were like i'm so interested in and with a group of people that are like-minded as me uh, i would love to go if i was
1: still in brazil i'd probably find try and find a way to get there well get to the interview let's talk about uh the curriculum a little bit do you have any experience with um i guess full stack developing or smart contract syntax or anything like that. Is it, is it throw, very challenging? I
2: mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. And that's that's kinda of where I was going with setting up your, your development environment is, is picking which of these platforms you want to use or these, you know, things that frameworks you want to use to try and make things quick. Uh, I am developing smart contracts now for a contract for a contractor in Hong Kong and and like half the battle was just figuring out what everybody wanted to use. Uh I, I think it'd be incredibly valuable to – To, I don't know what their exact curriculum is. Do you, do you know what the classes are or how they break it down?
1: They keep it uh, kind of close to the chest. I just know you're going to do a lot of smart contract system designs. Um, what we learned from the interview is the badges are kind of going away, but you do get a lot of certifications. And I think it's valuable to have like a, a global network, like I said. But you're going to learn um, uh, app development. Um, smart contracts. Um, let me see here. Um, you know, you just don't pick up cross-domain skills. You know, you're going to make partnerships. So I think you know that you learn on people skills a little bit too. You learn about the ecosystem, and stability, stuff like that. So it really that. set you up for a job placement.
2: We yeah. talk about that in the, in the in the in the interview. How what kind of where they put their a lot of their focus? And it seems as though smart contracts is is the majority of what they're focusing on. Although they will add. Uh, certain classes around making the smart contract, you know, interacting with the smart contract, making it work, and so on and so forth. But like having someone come in and tell you like the standard operating procedures, at least as they currently stand, and how to build a smart contract securely, you can you can get rid of a lot of those uh, simple mistakes that someone would use if they try to do it on their own as well. So like as you build a smart contract, you're going to make a lot of the simple, like go through a lot of the mistakes that everyone goes through, uh, security breaks, maybe it's like a security bugs or something like that that can be taken care of. And they have, they probably have libraries they can give you or teach you certain things that you shouldn't do. Uh, an expert isn't somebody that knows how to do everything. An expert in something is somebody that knows what, like what, what not to really do, what really not to do really quickly. So he knows what yeah. to avoid. And so he can get to a good product very quickly because he's not making those simple mistakes. And they make they, they help you bootstrap you getting to that expert level by teaching you a lot of the mistakes you can make along the way real quickly.
1: Yeah. As corny as it sounds, um, you know, transform passions in the professions. That's kind of what they do. And at the same time, uh, discover new interests. So uh, build Put a life in this a new, a exciting reality. We recommend it. Put and that on a t-shirt. And every time someone wears it, you can give me 15 cents. (laughs) In Bitcoin. In Bitcoin. So earlier this year, we kind of shed some light on this brand new program. Um, ExaFear Academy added a stream devoted to Ethereum and blockchain technologies for the first time. So uh, we have Maritz Bierling, who is responsible for putting the course together and helping participants navigate. And uh, now we're ready to... now we're ready to open up the program to a new class starting in early 2017. So we welcome him back and new instructor Shlami, to shed light on what to expect.
2: How'd you kids? How'd your wife?
1: Here it is. Yeah, well, the last time we had um, you guys on was episode 65. So we kind of set up the class, and hopefully, people listened and uh, looked into the program. Now the program is over. You guys are going to start another program in January. But before we talk about that, let's talk about the fallout from the, I guess, the first class. Like, what kind of things were created? uh, Were expectations met? uh, Did you have fun? Etc. Etc. And stuff like that. So tell us a little (laughs) bit about it.
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, So yeah, we we started the the academy in it was June, I believe, no July. Um, and we had stu- we had eight students for the Ethereum stream, which was actually the largest number of any stream participants that we had. Um, and it was a nice mix of uh, more experienced developers. Uh, actually the oldest guy was around 50 and um, more younger dudes who were like in their 20s and trying to get something off the ground so, mix was already good to kind of have uh, more experienced people help the younger ones and the younger ones kind of push the older ones to (laughs) to make sure that they explain what they're doing Um, and because we had set up the stream in a way that uh, it was all about uh, collaborating and learning from each other not only from the fellow or the teacher in in philip a good composition of the group to facilitate that and so over the course of the eight weeks, we, we began with um, with a number of lectures or like a presentations on the foundations of solidity, and then worked our way into a more collaborative and more open um, more open setup where the people worked on their projects uh, in the afternoons and in the mornings they started out with like a one hour presentation on one particular topic of solidity. So let's say Philip would prepare a presentation on uh, mining, and then that would go on for an hour. Uh, he would introduce concepts, he would uh, pose questions, and uh, have discussions with the group, and then at the end allow them to ask questions and kind of uh, see how that would apply to their to their own projects. And then for the rest of the morning, and then also in the afternoon, people were free to work on their stuff, uh, both with the other students, but also uh, with the fellow, and then also with students from other streams. So we had some nice. Uh, some nice ideas being float, floated around and then collaborate on uh, with the biohacking stream, for example, where they were thinking about making a, a system where the biohacking people in uh, Austin, there's was a biohacking, uh, a biohacking house uh, that a friend of us uh, leads. Um, they were thinking about installing these RFID chips in their hands and then having an Ethereum uh, powered system where they could just swipe their hands over the tools that they were using and then have automatically recorded how long they're using them, how much power is being used, and then have an automatic accounting system that just subtracts the the token that they're using for for that. So quite interesting application uh, at the intersection of uh, bio and blockchain. Um, And yeah, so that that was how the, the stream went overall. And, uh, and at the end, we had a number of projects that at different stages of development. So one of them was, for example, called Nitrate. Um, and the website is already up at nitrate.io. Um, and it is a, a, uh, a blockchain. blockchain powered, um, independent film um, distribution and marketing uh, site where Indie, developer, or indie film makers can upload their creation, um, have it licensed in a way, and then distribute it to their network and have their network marketed to their friends. So it's like a, a little bit like network marketing. Um, and a lot, of, I, a lot of thought has gone into it um, with statistics, with incentives, with designing the economics <coughs> in a way that it doesn't go into a multi-level marketing scheme, but uh, stays sane in a way. Uh, but still incentivizes people to share it with their friends.
1: All right, sounds like oh, a yeah. Great. I'm at the website right now. It's uh, really polished. And Corey, we're starting to see a lot of websites like this, like Pop Chess and yours, where you get rewarded for sharing content. So this pool's getting bigger and bigger.
3: Right. Yes. Um, it's still under development. They have uh, an alpha version going, so it's, but it's not open to the public yet. And uh, they're actually at the uh, Toronto Film Festival. They're presenting. Situation of it, I believe. Um, and that's done by a guy from London, uh, Tashoma Velini, who, is, who isn't actually uh, a developer but who is uh, who comes from the film industry, saw how the, the industry works uh, and wanted to change something about it uh, because basically all the studios have the power and the, the, the filmmakers themselves have uh, a lot of trouble bringing their creation out to the world and they are giving a lot of money up in having the studios uh, distributed for them and making money at all.
0: Um,
3: So that's one of the projects and then others are a little bit more of a fundamental nature, like this is more of a platform thing. And then there are also others that are uh, trying to create another base layer of the internet. Uh, Philip himself actually is building called Nebulous. The website is currently not up, but it would be at Mm nebulous.xyz and it's about uh, using IPFS and Ethereum uh, to create a domain name system that uh, that uses um, a, a new browser that he's building and, and, and uh, Ethereum itself to um, to try to make the yeah make that better. I don't exactly have an understanding of how that works because it is quite technical in nature, but uh, yes, it's it's an interesting one.
2: All right, so I have a I have a, a question. It's, it, you're getting a lot of people come in and you're teaching them how to use ethereum and the foundations of like solidity how to build apps and you're seeing a lot of apps come through do you have um a certain development environment that you set up for all of your users or do you do you or do you try and push a certain one because i've I've played around with a lot of the different development environments and it, it, the the space moves so fast it seems like every time something's built it's essentially discontinued and finding kind of the right. up-to-date bleeding Way to make an app is is kind of pain in the ass because there's so much documentation out there that's for things that aren't being maintained anymore.
3: Right. Yeah, and we're having trouble with that as well. We had trouble with that at the academy because we started out, I believe, with uh, with the regular one from the Ethereum Foundation. Then we moved into uh, Parity. Then we we t- took a look at Truffle. Like there was a lot of s- stuff that we tried out, and everyone has their own preferred environment. Um, one guy that came here, a, a, a Venezuelan uh, living in, in Chile, um, he like, he was using one that was uh, very unusual, very few other people are using, but it worked for him. So like, but that's an, a veritable problem that the, the ecosystems are not built out enough and easily, quickly discontinued that yes, it's, it's, it's difficult to get everybody on the same page and to, to work consistently in that
0: way.
4: I think I can chip in into this part mm-hmm. um, can you hear me? Yes. And um, I'm actually because I'm going to be the instructor in the following stream. So I intend to take um, about the details to make sure that everybody uses the same environment. And, you know, everybody can choose, of course, to use his own environment at the end, but I'm going to make sure that everybody will have the same tools everybody will have the access to the same tools that everybody will be um, up to speed with everything that we need in order to uh, continue with the stream and so on and so forth but of course at the end of the line everybody is free to choose whichever environment it chooses there's going to be one day during this day we are going to build the environment and we're going to make sure that everybody will have a working environment that will hopefully until we reach the end of the, of the stream. Do you know
3: yet which one it will be?
4: At the moment, I haven't decided about it completely. There are a few that I'm checking. Um, it's also a question about whether we're going to use something like Raspberry Pi or maybe we're going to implement some Dockers as well. This is something we need to look into. But I'm going to make sure that no matter what, during the first week of the stream, or it is during the second week or the stream, actually the first stream, the, the first week is a more general uh, conversation week, but during the second week when we are getting more technical, um, I'm going to take one day, which will be specifically to make sure that everybody will have a working environment, so we won't have to spend too much time in the future in a you know, configuring environment after the third weeks or the fourth weeks or the fifth weeks, et cetera. And which which environment exactly it's going to be, this still needs to be seen. Um, As uh, Corey mentioned earlier, it's a very vibrant environment at the moment. There there is always something pops up and something falls down. I currently use a mixture of many, many tools. I use um, things for Ethereum. I use Meteor and I use MetaMask. And I use uh, the GAT client. I don't use parity, although maybe I should give it a try, of course. There are many, many great online tools, which I think to incorporate into this stream and when we talk about Bitcoin, there are other environments, which I think to work with, and it's going to be mostly in Python. We are going to use Wiresharks. So I do have a list of tools that I know that I'm going to use for this stream and as you move closer to the to the date of the of the stream itself then we will eventually decide on the environment and we are going to spend another, a whole day on building the environment
2: that's good because it, you could waste a lot of time on that if you kind of let all of your students use whatever they want and that way you really can't yeah. help or support them during the class if you can't figure out how their environment works for whatever particular problem they're having so standardizing that for classes, exactly. I think is a very important thing to do.
4: Exactly. I'm going to give each one, of course, the, the option to choose whether you want to use it or not, but I'm going to take a day in which we will go to own environment. If the, the, the student at the end decided that, no, I want to use my own environment, then uh, I don't have much to do about it, but yeah. I'm going to make sure that everybody will have at least one working environment something that I at least know how to deal with and, you know, so that we can run along with it.
2: So now that you guys have had a good go round of the first the first the first class, uh, what are you excited about in the cryptocurrency c- development community?
3: So, well, maybe I can start with this. Um, so I'm really happy uh, to see that uh, it's still going into into a direction where more and more more uh, more and more approaches are coming up. So it's, it's not yet at a place where we've basically decided, OK, this certain way how to do a cryptocurrency or how to do a blockchain is the way to do it. Uh, so we're still experimenting. We're still uh, figuring stuff out. Um, the the move of uh, the, the banks to accept it is something that I'm watching with uh, some trepidation, but also interest. Um, I think that um, there is there is something to the anarchic spirit of Bitcoin that we should uh, preserve, but uh, I don't think it's uh, impossible to prevent banks to try and use this uh, the technology themselves, um, and we're going to see how the communities uh, decide which way they want to go. Like uh, I think Roger Ver is calling for two bitcoins, um, and that that would be a good thing. I'm curious to see how that turns out, and the block debate is still not. Uh, complete. So, it's uh, it's a lot of uh, chaos that that still needs to be resolved.
1: Absolutely. Is there any like a, a job placement, or when they complete the program, do they kind of you know use the piece of paper they get or the badges that they get to kind of go out on their own and and you know increase their value as entrepreneurs?
3: Right. So, I mean, how we've approached it is that. Um, some of them actually weren't very int- or, or, some of them weren't very interested in the badges themselves um, and that's understandable especially if you um, do your own project and you have something that's public facing that other people can take a look at and kind of get that you're doing something there um, so what we've what we're lear- figuring out now is how to adapt the batch system uh, to, to make it more relevant to to the students I mean because the last time was an experiment in uh, using the new batch system, we had never done this before, and, and seeing how the response is, um, we, we decided to now uh, take a look at how it went and uh, try to make it different. So we're actually going to be making sure that the badges that we're creating are very specific in, in the thing that they're certifying and uh, uh, objectively valuable to somebody who receives them rather than kind of how we've uh, done it in the past is... Think of things that you could learn and then just certify them, Um, and then people just did their projects and they're they're basically building a signal that uh, doesn't really need a badge. If you show people a project and you have running code, this is the best signal of all to show somebody that Mm you want to work with either as an employer or as a as a partner.
2: Do you have you have uh, so web development is a very hefty part of Ethereum dap development uh because essentially you're making web apps that tie in that, that the back end ties into the ethereum blockchain or, or you know some other blockchain or do you find yourself spending a good portion of your time teaching people who understand ethereum how to do web development or the opposite around opposite way around or a combination of the two
3: uh, so at the last program we did have uh, quite a few sessions on development. Uh, we were also, uh, we also had a programming stream, so uh, another group that was uh, focusing on coding itself, learning how to code. Um, and so they all were also going into web development, so we had a nice overlap where people could uh, attend the same lessons together and work with each other. And we also had multiple um, evening hackathons where people were coding into the night together uh, across these two groups. Um, and we did, yeah we did we also offered lectures in Node.js and uh, and a few other uh, other systems to help people build their apps into the web. Yes, absolutely.
4: And maybe I can chip in to see it. Mm-hmm. So? Yes. And um, before I took this um, opportunity to instruct in this stream, I've made one demand and. Two warnings about this kind of stuff. I basically want to create something that will be more blockchain oriented. Ethereum is going to be a very very big part of it, blockchain oriented. And I've told to Moritz and I've told to the other uh, to the other managers in uh, Exosphere that I believe that the students who will participate in this stream should have some strong technological skills or technological background. But this, um, this stream, basically, it's not meant to teach people how to, how to code on the one hand. And this is one warning. And on the other hand, eventually, I really expect the students to be able to do some basic coding by themselves. Mm-hmm. So creating a decentralized application I actually think that the underlying is quite more important. The underlying should be about the blockchain technology itself. We should we will really give some um, some times to how to make it graphically appealing and how to make it more um, how to deploy such an application onto the web onto, onto a server, etc. But what I really want to put um, most of the weight on is what sets for example the ethereum blockchain or the bitcoin or the bitcoin blockchain and um, what sets them apart from just a normal database what makes them so unique and then into your own architecture this is what i'm really going to put the the weight on we will have some session on how to make it you know how to make it graphically appealing and how to deploy it to a server etc but the blockchain this is the real deal in this course so people will come. Um, it's very important, I think, that they will understand that. Um, well, we will teach them how to create uh, how, how to create a full web application, but the real the real deal is the blockchain. The real deal is the engine behind this application.
3: Yes, I think it's important that that we do this uh, for one very important reason, which is that we've seen with the DAO, problems and with uh, the discussion around that, that coders for the blockchain are not simply coders, they're not simply developing an application that uh, moves information around, but they are actually creating a system where people place value inside of it and and that value gets moved around and their uh, mistakes uh, have a huge uh, impact on the people who are using their system. So they're actually, I think I saw an argument that they are uh, I'm not sure the exact term, but something like fiduciary agents or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that there is a there is an very important uh, emphasis on the blockchain as Shlomi said so that people really understand how it works, can understand what they should do and what not to do and uh, don't uh, irresponsibly put something out that uh, could harm many people when they use it in the wrong way or when something goes wrong.
1: Charlie got some? Yeah, I'm curious about, you know, this might be a silly question, but I have to ask. <laughs> um, has there been any students that enroll in this program and they just don't have the drive and commitment or they don't take advantage of the curriculum mm. and I guess for lack of a better word, they failed out. They suck. Yeah. Has there been any of that? Because I I know that the the academy uh, has, you know, you promote cross-pollination of ideas. It's very collaborative and people can even enroll in housing together. I can imagine that to be kind of toxic or or (laughs) to to one success, so.
3: Yes. No, I mean, there are definitely uh, different levels of engagement both within the stream and also across streams. We had people that were not very interested in actually collaborating with people outside their stream. Um, and then that's fine, I mean, uh, we're not there to tell them how they how they should make the experience theirs. Um, they should do it how they want to do it. Um, but we had others who were like very happy that uh, there were people from very different uh, mindsets, very different cultures, very different backgrounds, and that they could benefit from being around them. I mean, we, we had one house with all the bio people in it, all the people who were working on biohacking, and uh, they were having a blast uh, living together and working together on their genetic engineering and uh, their different uh, plant stuff, uh, which was awesome. And the people who were in the theorem stream really loved to hang out with these guys because their approach to how they do bio, which is both very rigorous in the science, um, in the science uh, that they do, but then also very friendly and uh, in the way that they treat each other, um, kind of gave them gave them a good understanding or made them have more fun. Whether we're, doing, whether we're doing this stuff, so um, there there were a few people who were very introverted, who basically shut themselves out for a week at a time, who were um, who were not very uh, involved uh, after a certain point in time, uh, and basically just wanted to work on their own thing, and that that's that's fine, that's what they did. Yeah,
2: yeah it's something that people are getting from <clears throat> these these uh, these sessions that people don't necessarily. Think about automatically is this access to such a large diversity and being able to see problems through many different lenses of people who think about or spend all their time thinking about something that you never think about. And then discussing your ideas with these people allows you to kind of catch edge cases, add functionality, not maybe getting rid of some of the things that you're doing. It kind of, you get to see and figure out problems through many different lenses that you're never gonna have access to if you just do th- through something online or kind of be a loner about a lot of this stuff.
3: Right, and I can give a good example of that. I mean, one of the projects uh, that I already mentioned is called Nitrate, and they had, um, they had a trouble with the, with the system setup, so how the economic logic should work, um, and because Tashoma is not an economist and he's not, uh, he doesn't know much about statistics, uh, he benefited a lot from talking with uh, a friend that came also for the Ethereum stream, uh, but not necessarily to learn the coding, his name is Rossi, and uh, he is somebody who is doing uh, economics and statistics, uh, a, a PhD, and so he was able to plug his brain and work with him to design the, um, the system in a way that the incentives work out, and that it could even integrate some of the machine learning that is... is becoming very popular in these apps
0: mm-hmm. um, to,
3: to optimize over time, to uh, to balance out um, uh, problems, to avoid spamming, all these different things. And at the same time, after he did that, he also went to our founder, uh, who was the fellow for the philosophy stream, and asked him to help him a little bit with the entrepreneurial side. Like, how should I approach this from the business perspective? How should I market this? How should I think about, um, Making this uh, interesting for people, and then we had also the fellow for the um, for the design stream, who is somebody a very curious uh, individual. His name is Bryce Heidi Smith, and he's a young guy who uh, currently works at a, a hedge fund uh, called Numerai that uses and demor- well that uses democratized um, uh, uh, AI to run a fund with uh, thousands of members uh, simultaneously who contribute code and, uh, and, and that's that way to play, the, play the market. And this guy is also very good at systems thinking and in making things appear a certain way that is appealing. And so he helped him to design the, the marketing strategy to uh, kind of go under the radar and not have to expend uh, thousands of dollars for getting people onto
1: the system. Hmm. It's quite interesting. You also mentioned, um, yeah, I think the last time you were here, whoever enrolls will get like an enhanced social intelligence. So <laughs> do you guys believe that if I'm an introvert, I can't be successful in the creative economy? Do I, do I need to come out of my shell? Do I need to collaborate? And this course will kind of help me on that side of the fence?
3: Well, I, I actually, I um... I actually don't think that introverts are at a disadvantage. I think they are at an advantage. Uh, in Thank you. Ways. Thank you. I keep
1: hearing the opposite.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I'm i quite convinced that the ability to do deep work uh, is something that introverts are a little bit better at inherently, I think, than, than extroverts. And they have an easier time shutting out distractions, which uh, in an age of slack being basically universally used by all the startups um, is a is a skill that m- not many have, and not many companies also encourage. So, um, But what we do at the program is more about okay, maybe I'm an introvert or an extrovert, doesn't really matter, or I'm, I'm somebody who's science y. Um, in order to succeed in the creative economy, it's not enough to only do your thing, um, but also it's, it's important that you know how to interact with people who are entirely unlike you. And this doesn't mean that you have to become an extrovert when you're an introvert or to become a social person when you don't really like to be around people that much. It just means to be able to suspend your normal mode of operations for a while uh, and to kind of get into the head and, and understand the people that you're dealing with. So for a coder to to take, take himself out of the, the chair for a little bit and, and try to understand how a Uh, flowery, hippie designer guy uh, sees the world, (laughs) so that he can then uh, better communicate with him about the project that they're trying to do together. Or even if the one is the client and the other the employer, that they know how to communicate in a way such that they don't talk past each other, but actually collaborate. Because real collaboration isn't about sending lots of chat messages to each other, but rather to uh, kind of understand where somebody's coming from, how do they see something that I might say? Uh, where is their headed and then crafting your own information or your own signal to them in a way that they get it in the first try or maybe on the second try rather than kind of this constant back and forth of did you get that oh that was a mistake or now we have to start over all this kind of stuff.
2: I would call everything of what you just said an important skill to have for everyone regardless of what they're doing. The ability oh, to yes. communicate efficiently is something that is drastically overlooked, but gets you very, very, very far in life.
3: Right. right. Yeah, and we, we use a specific um, tool uh, that's called community building in our programs, where people basically sit in a circle and uh, <laughs> uh, talk about stuff. And uh, <laughs> in that, and, yeah, and then it's it's kind of strange because. Like people don't expect that from something that is uh, that is about technology and about entrepreneurship and this kind of stuff, but uh, when we do it over time, people learn. Oh, what I'm the what I'm trying to say here is really just superficial, and I'm not really uh, I'm not really getting anything out of it, and not much is being communicated, and they slowly kind of open up a little bit and let out what is really going on in their mind, and then we also have lots of. Uh, uh, feuds or or uh, confrontational conversation, I would say, in those circles, and then once that is out of the way, people kind of get where people are coming from, and when they then open up, they really get to see something uh, in the others that they would never had the chance uh, to, to see if they had just lived past each other, uh, in a way, uh, these eight weeks. Um, and then they can actually go out of their comfort zone or go out of uh, what they do normally and uh, and help each other kind of assume where people are coming from and uh, do actual projects together. Because projects don't succeed because one person has one skill, the person has another skill. Projects succeed because people uh, are able to work with each other over sustained periods of time. And the most common case of failure that I've seen in the project that I've observed is that people just don't want to be around each other anymore or, or the circumstances change and they can't work through that and they can't resolve problems when they come along.
2: Y'all are getting deep. Y'all are getting y'all are getting in the personal relationships <laughs> sense. That podcast we're
3: talking about philosophy, yeah.
0: Well.
2: That's really good. That's really great though that you, you incorporate that type of thing into the program because it's it's these are important things. If you're gonna build a startup, you're gonna build a team. You need to know how to work well together. And if you can't do that, then your product will inherently fail.
3: Right, right. And you you maybe also are doing it for the wrong reasons. But yeah. I don't want to get into a rant of Silicon Valley. <laughs>
1: I oh, got yeah. one more thing to add to that. Since the last time you were on, that whole Dow garbage went on and, and collapsed on itself. So now everyone's kind of scrambling to refocus on security and reliability. Um, Corey mentioned solidity language earlier, and I know you guys, that's your core focus. How are you guys implementing like the latest security practices to make sure that if someone's building something, that they are going through the processes of testing and debugging and deploying, making sure it's airtight and it's uh, it's legit? So we don't have a a repeat of that Dow catastrophe.
3: Right. Shlomi, I think that's your point, right?
4: I think so. Yes. (laughs) Well, I think I have two answers. The first one we are going to implement security the same way everybody else does. We are going to learn from other people's mistakes. We're going to talk about those mistakes and hopefully actually understand what went wrong. And not repeat those mistakes. The second, um, the second answer. This is something which is a bit more, let's say, personal to me. I have some sort of, a, I must admit, I have some sort of a, my own agenda on blockchain technology in general, and I'm going to push it on the students. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny it. I mean, of course, they can decide whatever they want, but I actually believe that. There is some sort of a problem in the way people think about blockchain nowadays to force blockchain solutions on many, many issues that don't really require blockchains to solve them. And I believe that as a rule of thumb, the simple system is, the less amount of value that system holds and the more decentralized this system, not just decentralized in the sense that I'm going to place a smart contract onto the Ethereum blockchain, but decentralized in the process that, okay, I have no other alternative I need on the Ethereum blockchain, but I won't publish it as only one contract with a set of function. I'm going to publish it as a 50 completely different and unrelated or Of course, they can interact with each other, but 50 different contracts. So I believe that as a whole should also be decentralized. I believe that instead of deploying one big DAO contract, you should from the beginning and from day one, deploy 100 small contracts or 200 or whatever the number is. There are some limitations to the approach, of course, First of all, it's quite expensive um, it is quite, um, pardon my French, but paying the ass to do so, to do 500 or 200 or whatever amount of contracts. But it does have a great advantage that if something breaks, it is much easier the remainder out of those remaining uh, 99 contracts or 299 contracts or whatever. And is something I'm going to talk about with the student in the stream. This is my own agenda, of course. And I'm also going to talk to them about, we should do some sort of a mapping. Why do we even want to use blockchain technology? What is the type um, of hindrance that we want to overcome using blockchain technology? So this is the one approach. And the second approach, as I said earlier, we're going to learn from other people's mistakes. That's good. Nobody will, will repeat them.
3: So yeah, in a way, you're designing for failure, right? I mean, to assume that something will go wrong, uh, and then to yes, make yes. it easy to recover from it. I think that's a very interesting yes, approach. Yes, yes,
4: definitely, definitely. Things go wrong. That's the, that's that's the way the world works. Things will go wrong eventually, and you need to have some sort of an exit, exit strategy. Um, and this is something I'm going. I'm so for definitely.
2: So with I guess if I would go back to the you know the canonical example of the DAO, I think a good a large mistake that they made was they didn't have these fail safes built in. There was no human interaction with this thing, no no escape hatch. Uh, do you feel like that is something every contract should have as escape hatches? We should We should stay away from full automation of smart contracts and always have some type of human interaction as the last step of arbitration.
3: I
4: have my own opinion, I'm going to me go first. Yeah. still in it? My tone? Yeah. 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 Um, my tone, okay. Well, basically, I think that for something such as the DAO, um, human interaction, well, first of all, claiming that there is no human interaction is not really, um, it's not entirely correct in the concept of the DAO. You still needed to have those uh, in the DAO you still need to have some human interaction to begin with. That was something that was hard-coded into the DAO itself. So the DAO wasn't that um, clean um, from human interaction. There was human interaction with the DAO. I think what they did, what the real problem was, was the fact that they just created a single address and that single address had a ridiculous amount of ether into it. If it was split among many different addresses and each different address would have its own quarks and perks or whatever, um, then that might have been a bit more uh, safe to do so. In my opinion, I think there are ways to create such a a mechanism like the DAO without storing even a single ether on a centralized, not a centralized contract, but on a one contract but those type of uh, architectures also need to be tested. I mean, it's really nice that I sit here on my own comfortable room and talks about it. It's still, it also something that needs to be tested in, the, in a larger scale. But uh, again, for the DAO, the real problem was that there was one and only address, which held a very, very large amount of ether, and it was... It was like, I don't know, it was like putting a huge mark sign in, I don't know, like, like, you, like walking around the, in, in the street with this duck over your head and just waiting for people to aim at you. Yep. That's my own opinion. Yep. So again, you should really think about why you want to create a smart contract to begin with, what is it that you want a smart contract to do, and you should also try try, you always think about all those stuff. I mean, uh, Stephen Tao, for example, he is a great coder. He's really talented people. Um, you know, pe- he has a bad reputation now because of all this Dow thing. but he, he is a great coder, not, you cannot escape this fact, he, he knew what he do, well, he, he knew what he was doing. Um, at least on the on, on the code level, someone, some kid somewhere, managed to find a very very small flaw in the old DAO mechanism and managed to explode this this flaw yeah. and again I think that if it was splitted into many, many small contracts maybe just maybe it would have been easier to salvage at least part of it going through the hard fork etc um, but again um, we cannot really we cannot really see the future. We cannot really um, expect and try our code for every scenario. So we should try to have some sort of an exit strategy. We should know we should have some sort of a fail-safe mechanism. Again, I don't want to point my fingers at, at anyone and say they did it wrong or anything like that, but
3: my I think you're pointing at an, at an interesting at an important uh, thing here that is that the the crypto community as a whole I think is trying to achieve something that I'm not sure is possible at all which is basically completely uh, eliminate human error from mm-hmm. the equation um, and I think that's not necessarily the, the right thing to aim for um, and they're trying to basically cut out human interaction or human, Human management from the time process completely. It's basically uh, inspired by a vision of a, of a utopian state where um, I can just sit in my basement and have everything uh, run through my computer, every interaction through my computer, uh, and I don't have to interact with people uh, personally. And I think it's good that we are kind of making that more possible for people, but it's not, um, I don't think it's the thing that we're going to achieve or the thing that we should be aiming for. Uh, I actually think that uh, accepting that there are flaws in in how we humans do things and building institutions uh, around that and and or institutions in a that uh, assumes that uh, can can help us um, do things better, not not uh, try to cut them out completely.
4: I want to validate Mauro's uh, last sentence. We should look at what um what are the human flaws that we are trying to deal with and deal with those flaws. Don't try to force solution on something that doesn't really need that solution. Find your uh, fail point, find the point in which human used to f- usually fails and it and that's it. Don't force more than that onto the blockchain. That's very well said. Uh,
3: well, I also want to uh, uh, just uncover one here, which is that um the the systems that the crypto community is building um, many of them are impossible to use <laughs> for somebody who has no clue about uh, computers even or, or even about uh, how a ba- like the internet works at a, a little bit more uh, basic level than okay I know how to use a browser um, and so um, it kind of it designs for the the designer itself, not for the user. Um, uh, and instead instead of doing that, uh, we should maybe make it so that people find it easier to interact with it. Um, and people are actually asking for uh, certainty. That's what people want. They want certainty and safety. And so, uh, if you offer them uh, a guarantee or a warranty of your product uh, that is going to be good, and you're offering something that in case of uh, something, if something going wrong, uh, you will do uh, X, either pay them out or or correct the mistake. I think that's the, the better way to approach it and um, this kind of warrantying your product. And I think that's something that's missing from the community because they kind of have this uh, strange aversion to law um, <laughs> of, of states um, that I, I understand where it's coming from. I understand this kind of um, uh, hate of uh, force being used to, you and kind of there's this idea that taxes are uh, involuntary payments, and like that if we can get the crypto uh, currencies to uh, to become widespread and people will use it, then the state uh, will have less power. And know that's that's I think a noble goal, but uh, avoiding laws actually makes it worse because uh, people then operate outside the law, and people who uh, are not willing to take those risks to operate mm-hmm. outside the law, which is most everybody except crypto anarchists um, they will not be willing to join your system.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I couldn't agree more with the, almost everything you just said. Uh, but let's, uh, let's wrap it up with, uh, one last question that we can ask both of you actually and see how well you do Morris, I think you, you answered this last time, but in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain (laughs) again? Yeah. You'd probably have a different uh, answer now. This 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 field moves fast.
3: Oh man. Um uh, uh an interesting frontier uh, in technology that could use some adulthood.
2: Tim, ten words nailed it. <laughs> oh, Shami, what do you got?
4: No my tone, I guess.
3: You can go technical uh, or or hilarious.
4: One hundred words ten? Okay? <laughs>
3: nope. Order magnitude less.
4: Let's see. I actually think that blockchain is um, another layer of biocracy. <laughs> Computer science.
3: Nice.
2: All right. Nice. Nice and That's short. Everything. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate you giving us an update, and uh, we're 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 happy to see y'all are y'all are moving along nicely and. Great products and great people are coming out of, out of uh, these these services you're offering.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us. And I also want to say that uh, I'm happy to see even more uh, other companies coming up, coming out, uh, offering more educational stuff. Diginomics.com uh, is doing something that's actually where I found Shlomi. Um, there's V9 yeah. Lab. Lots of people trying to make it more accessible for developers, and I, I hope that them succeed.
2: Well, most importantly... For this interview, before we end it off, what do y'all want to plug? <laughs> uh,
3: I want to plug uh, people to come join us in Brazil, actually, because we're moving. I'm not going to be in Chile anymore, um, at the beach inside Cidade Pedra Branca in Florianopolis, mm, and uh, hang place. out with us and Shlomi and then build their apps.
2: Beautiful. And place. you can visit
3: us at Exosphere, which is X O S P H E dot R E. All
2: right, Shlomi, you want to give a shout out?
4: I'm going to support the uh, <laughs> statement. I'm also for world peace and hunger and as well. Um, and that's it.
2: Nailed it. Thanks, guys.
4: <laughs> yeah. anyway. Thanks. It was great talking to you. You too. Have a great day.
1: All right, you too. Thank you. And we're right back.
4: So we hope you
1: enroll there, take advantage of what that curriculum has to offer. And uh, I guess every semester we'll just have them back on and kind of see what people created and, and what's ahead. Yeah, I'm curious to see
2: like one, how their their rubric or you know what they teach changes, what they focus on, and then two, like how do they feel the environment is moving because they're seeing the, like what people are coming up with and how, I would like to, I'd be interested in seeing uh, what how ideas change over time, how they evolve over time, if it's always the same the same type of stuff that people are trying to do, or as over time, as this technology becomes more prevalent, people also evolve their ideas and how it's supposed to work. So that's going to be yeah. no.
1: And then, like, uh, like I mentioned before the interview, you know, you kind of got a, a new job in the space, um, and that's you know, why don't you tell people a little bit about it? And then I want to kind of talk about the first blockchain experience that you're going to be attending. Due to this new change, we yeah, I got a job. I got
2: a job for a um, a data analytics company called Novetta. Uh, they are mostly government facing contracts, you know, private security clearance uh, contracts. They have a they have a private a, a public side. I will be starting out in the public side until I get my security clearance and move over to the contracts there. And the cool thing about a lot of it is, they said we're building a. Bitcoin and blockchain research and development cell. We don't know what it's gonna be used for, but we want you to you to do it within the company. So you have pretty much free autonomy to build and do whatever you want within this like fantastically built great environment data analytics company. Because if you're gonna be a a, you know, on the edge data analytics company and you're not researching Bitcoin and blockchain, then you're doing something wrong. And they see that and they're willing to kind of carve out a section of their company to start developing these types of things and and I was lucky enough to be the guy they hired to do it. So it's going to be me and one other guy. So Peter Mueller and we're going to we're going to try and really search and figure out ways to make things work better using this fantastic technology.
1: And some of that free autonomy means you can kind of go to conferences and self-educate yourself.
2: Yeah. I mean, they, they have, I have a budget, um, a yearly budget for self-education and conferences and things like that. And just right off the bat, we're sending me over to Miami on October 30th to the Bitfinity conference. Uh, so me and Peter are essentially going to start off this project, you know, listening to all these talks, trying to figure out, um, what we may want to do, what things need to be done. And, uh, what resources we have to try and make that happen, or at least make connections to start creating conversations. It's not one of those. What's nice about this is that a company will typically say, all right, you're getting hired. Make me something that makes a lot of money right now. And, and that's not what they're trying to ask me to do. That's definitely a very, um, figure out the space. Let's, let's take this slowly and, and do some research and figure out where things may work. And we'll slowly work towards solutions that change, like that, that change the space and, Allow us to say, you know, we are a a forward like a a forward thinking company and and uh, ethical and moral about how we do these things. They 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 seem to really care about the technology and not just trying to make a buck out of it. So
1: I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and there's just so many different sectors that we've covered on the shows. I mean, you got real estate, you got uh, you got ID management. We talked about that. You got uh, digital rights. Uh, healthcare, Uh, I wish oh and they even have supply chain which I mean we talked all the way back with like Jesse Baker it makes you put in perspective how many different things we've talked about here.
2: When you want to build systems that don't require trust uh, for people to to kind of work on the system then this technology is is perfect for stuff like that. I mean the, 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 the way that you can apply these things is still not completely known to us and where this is going to go and the more people interested in putting money into it to allow people like me to really allocate my time and dive deep and figure out the best way to do these types of things, the better. And the faster this is going to progress and make it much more broadly known and accepted amongst regular people. And I've, I mean, I've said it many times, the, the mass adoption of Bitcoin is going to be when people don't know they're using Bitcoin, but using it every day in their life. It's so we need That's to true, provide right? those solutions that that help people do things that they couldn't do before, uh, but not necessarily care that it's powered by Bitcoin or some blockchain or Ethereum or what, whatever it is that ends up being that thing, in whatever capacity that thing is, or you know, multiple things. Uh, it shouldn't matter to the end user and. It, that requires money, in order to develop research and develop these things. I've been doing it; we all do it as hobbyists, and it takes a while to to a leap of faith, really, to to pay somebody to do it full time.
1: So, uh, and then the happy hours—we gotta get you some business cards, man. Yep,
2: t-shirts, business cards. It's great for the podcast because I'm gonna be doing real live interviews at these. Companies. This the lineup of this conference is amazing. And this is just the people speaking. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine the people. They're just going to be there that I'll be able to rub bevels with and, and talk to in real life and, and get interviews with. And that's uh, that's that's exciting for the podcast. It's exciting for me. So, just wait, guys. We're gonna get we're gonna get a lot better over the next few months.
1: I know you wanted to say years, but then you stopped yourself.
2: Well, that's <laughs> that's, that's that's inevitable. <laughs> I've been yeah. doing this for what two years now, almost.
1: Almost. Uh, you ever uh, been? You ever been to Fort Lauderdale
2: before? No, I haven't been anywhere over there in the, in the Washington area. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, for those of you who probably have only listened to the last couple episodes, and you you're, you're maybe iffy on our quality, or you really like our quality, or whatever you however you feel about the quality of this podcast, go back and listen to the first couple episodes and you're gonna be blown away at the difference if we started out uh, it's terrible but you got to start somewhere and and it's one of those things that as you keep the more you keep doing it the better you get
1: yeah I had a I had an interview with you that was like I checked out your podcast and checked out the first few episodes I'm like oh so I didn't get the job all right <laughs> bye. Can you like start at like episode 70, please? Yeah.
2: You should listen to the last couple episodes and compare. And then you can see the growth, the growth that I can do over a
1: year (laughs) with zero resources. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what kind of job you do. Having a a community project in your portfolio is valuable. I suggest everybody starts a podcast. I think everyone could benefit from it.
2: If anything, you learn about talking to people and, and building something that you don't know how to do. And like, how to create a nice workflow and there's a lot of things you really learn that you don't know you're going to end up learning when starting something like this and then just reaching out to people and talking to them has been valuable for us it's i've developed we've all developed a really great community of people between our listeners and the people we have on the show and we've even gotten people on the show talking to each other to start projects so it's, it's
1: it's been fun uh yeah and if i can add to that um You know, for me, like doing a project by myself can be kind of daunting, but with podcasting, you can you can you don't have to hold the court by yourself. I mean, you don't even need talent. Everyone's got a killer story. It doesn't take talent; it takes experience. And the more you do it, the better you get. And I feel like now at this point, we could just sit down with anybody and create a show. And um, the more you know about something obscure, the better. And that's why we started this podcast because at the time, Bitcoin was really obscure.
2: Now it's not. It still is, but now not that. Not nearly is. Not nearly It's, it's funny because conversation around Bitcoin has has definitely changed with uh with respect to like the response I get from people. I went out last night and had some uh, some drinks with a friend, and he brought one of his friends who's a data scientist. And uh, I I was like, like, so what? You got a new job? What are you doing? I heard you're a data scientist. I was like, ah, not really. It's a data science company, but I'm doing. Uh, Bitcoin and blockchain research. And He's like, really, Bitcoin and blockchain? And I was like, yeah, you've heard of it. All right, sweet. Let's let's start this conversation. As opposed to like, what is that and what's it good for? And that's not drug money. Like the conversation in response to the words, and everyone on the table understood that it was a thing and it wasn't. It was it was something that's growing, and they were curious about it as opposed to like incredibly skeptical. So I think we're, we're de- the, the community is headed in the right direction. We're not there yet. We're not, you know, mass adoption, but it's one of those things like, oh, you're, you guys are worth your salts now,
1: and it's gonna. I'm really interested to see where this goes. Yeah. Once this reaches mass adoption, do we even still need to do this podcast anymore?
0: Heck yeah.
2: How else are we gonna talk yeah. to the leaders of the world? Of-
1: <laughs> That's true.
2: At mass adoption, the people who are doing these projects or started these projects back now are gonna be superheroes or super rich people. We're gonna need that access, man. This is our ticket.
1: Yeah. I know for me, I still kind of look at everyone else's job like, you know, oh, man, I wish I had that car or I wish I had that nice of a suit. But then every once in a while, I realize I realize that this is like all I ever wanted. You know, the lazy guy in me just loves the idea of being paid to be myself and do whatever I want. You talk to people, You know, there's no standard and that's kind of cool. Yeah. So
2: be able to reach out and ask anybody any question you really want to and then they'll like want to answer you and talk to you and explain what they're doing.
1: Yeah, so I encourage everyone to start a podcast. In fact, uh, Mackie, who's been on the show a lot, he's about to start his own podcast, um, the Block Channel, and so I, I just think what we're doing is infectious and it rubs off on people. Yeah, we're, we're excited to see
2: what he what he starts to build, and I'm a, i am I think I'll be a fan of that one. It should be fun. So, non, we are non-competing. Oh. We you can we we support other podcasts doing things because the more people who get talked to and spread around and, and shared with the, the better for the entire community so go
1: do a podcast it's, sh- it's shit is easy and uh, go do a side project like uh, Corey's wife who just opened up Sweet Honey Crochet Sweet and she takes Bitcoin so
2: go look at her she makes yeah Bitcoin you just get uh, 15% items. off yeah, for a little while, you can get 15% off using Bitcoin. Uh, she makes great stuff. And uh, over the next few weeks, she's going to be adding quite a few items to her her, uh, yeah. her list of things.
1: Oh, I went to her website.
2: I like how she's a model on one of the <laughs> her, items. Her, her mo- I'm, I'm now a model on one of the items. And her sister's a model on one of the items. So it's, Hey, it's, really? it's just, just us at the house. She makes really, really good stuff, but she's not going to pay uh, other people to model for she's a great looking woman so is her sister not so much me but she makes a few man items and i'm the first guy she
1: can see to, to do that so i love how like i'm not going to model for anything honey unless it says man in the product so man beanie <laughs> man beanie, be beanie. <laughs> i'll let her, <laughs> made, I'll let her the know she oh, needs man. to put like man man honey crochet <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> man tell eric that i will I will, I will model a infinity scarf all damn day, so tell her that. All right. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll let her know that. Laced boot cuffs, I'll model that. Model my legs.
2: Yeah, that'd be hot, man. Put your boots on, put your laced boot cuffs in there, as long as it yeah. says man honey crochet for the, for the, for yeah. the dark dark colored <laughs> items in which you'll, you'll use.
1: I say you just buy a whole bunch of this and go to Exophere Academy and just sell it to all the gay dudes there. Make a lot of money. It's just not a bad idea. Yeah, but start yeah, a yeah I like the stuff. Trend. It's uh, she did a good job on this website. Um, I like it. Yeah, she's she's a boss. She did
2: all that herself. I just told her where to go, and she went at it. So.
1: Yeah, if you don't have a podcast or a side project, you're a PAB. PAB, change your pab. life.
2: Don't be boring. Pab. Don't sit around and watch TV. Go start a project. I think that's Go and one. roll it exosphere Let's uh let's wrap that up on that note. Calling everybody Pabs is a good way to stop. Yep. If you don't know what a Pab um, is, then get on it. You can't Google that. We made it up. Go listen to previous podcasts.
1: <laughs> um what else do we got coming up? Oh, you know what? We're gonna kinda switch from from techies next week and we're gonna have a musician on who um, released their newest album on Open Bazaar first before you can get it. Anywhere else, and what else do we got? We yeah, got a lot of good that. stuff coming, man.
2: Talked about that last show, the Mike-O coming on the show to talk about how he feels about doing this or why he just started decided to do it. I want to talk about. I want to figure out who, who convinced him to do this or uh, and uh, how it's worked out for him.
1: Yeah, and then the music is really good. It's actually really good. Yeah. So we're not we're not yeah. just getting some you know dude on the street corner. Playing to people that walk by, like this is legit record label, musicianship. It's good stuff. Um, so yeah, go to go to Sweet Honey Crochet, support that. We there another great way to kind of donate to the small, small people is uh go to our website and click on the purse.io banner and uh make all your Amazon purchases. You know, you can shop like you do usually, um, except we get a little kickback to the show to, Keep the lights on. Uh, save 15%. And uh, show us a little love and save yourself some money, you pab. Yeah. Um, I think that's just about it. Corey, anything else? No. Find
2: us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Find us on SoundCloud. Find us on uh, Cointelegraph. Go get some, go get some news on Cointelegraph and you'll find a pod, our podcast there right front and center on the front page. Click on Podcast. That's our shit.
1: They got good stories yeah, go on the Go to page, purse.io. purse.io. Go to personal yeah, you can buy a D an alarm clock for fifteen percent off. For real, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, nah, and en- enjoy. Uh, he's been working hard, so I hope you enjoy he enjoys his rest. And yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, we uh, we'll see you next week. Later, guys. Play
0: the